David Sparks and Jason Snell spent their careers working for the establishment. Then one day, they'd had enough. Now, they are independent workers, learning what it takes to succeed in the 21st century. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined as always by my fellow host, Mr. David Sparks. Hi, David. Hi, Jason. We have a special guest today. Yes, we do. All our guests are special, really. But uh, this one is somebody that many people will, who listen to the show may have heard on his other podcasts, or perhaps they're listening to podcasts on software he developed. It's Marco Arment. Hi, Marco. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. So you are famously somebody who doesn't have a boss. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we would talk to you. I think that's the idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to have bosses. Yeah. Yeah, where, where do you want to start? Well, I guess just for the folks who don't don't know you, Marco, um, just to kind of give a little background, you're an, an app developer and um, a podcaster. You have several podcasts. Uh, but when I was thinking about you, uh, are you an entrepreneur? I suppose so. I mean, I, I am in a business that I created myself that, you know, pays the bills and... Uh, I'm selling an app that I make as that business. And I'm also doing podcasts where I'm selling advertising. And so I, I guess, I mean, I would never in a million years walk into a party and introduce myself as an entrepreneur <laughs> because I would feel like a jerk. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, by, it, by most people's definitions, I suppose I probably am one. Yeah, I was thinking when I wrote, I said, Marco is an entrepreneur that hates the word entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) It's worse, Marco, because you you made uh, Instapaper and sold it, and you made the magazine and sold it. So you could arguably be a serial entrepreneur. That's a low blow. Which is the that's a low blow. worst. <laughs> Yikes. But I, I don't think, I think this is not, there are a lot of uh, business podcasts out there where are, that are deeply into this, this kind of idea of entrepreneurship. And there's a reason that this is free agents is that we, uh, I, for whatever reason, I think don't think of it that way because we're a lot of times thinking about being on your own and kind of charting your own path and not necessarily building uh building a big company uh, we're talking about just uh controlling our own work and and doing our own thing and that's something that we definitely seem to have in common with you because you've talked about on your other podcasts um several times about how you think about having an employee or a helper or a partner or something and it just uh it just doesn't seem to be something that you want to do you you definitely are more of a free agent type than anything else is that fair to say Oh, absolutely. I mean, what I have found, you know, in in my experience so far, and you know, maybe this will change someday, I don't know. But what I've found so far is that I really work best by myself. Um, I am not a good manager of other people. I obviously am not very good at being managed by other people. Um, I tried for a long time, but <laughs> just <laughs> didn't work didn't work out uh, as as well as 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 I wanted and as well as they usually wanted. Um, and just I, I have found that I'm best off limiting myself to projects and you know scope of things within those projects that I can do myself, um, with, with a few minor exceptions of you know easily outsource things like you know I have an accountant doing things, but like I don't want to hire anyone else or contract with anyone else to do like features of my app or or even I don't even hire designers for almost anything. Like I, I hire almost no one to do almost nothing uh, because. 
I'm just, I, I work best alone. I like working alone. I like doing everything myself, sometimes to a fault. Um, and, and I'm just not a good manager of people. But there's another element to you listening to you on your podcast and talking about your products like Overcast, which is the, the podcast app that for a lot of people listening to this show, they're probably listening on your app. Um, but you always, in my um, observation of you, you, you are always looking for ways to make the things you make independently support you. I think one of the things we struggle with as free agents is how do you monetize and make money? Because if you don't do that, you have to go get a job somewhere. And uh, I feel like you've always been kind of in the forefront of your industry and app development of looking at new business models and always be willing to explore and find ways to not only set up a free agent style business, but stay in free agent style business and, and support yourself. Well, and that's, you know, that's kind of a, a forced lesson that I've had to learn over time. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't always as experimental. Like with Instapaper, uh, you know, my, my first big app, uh, once I went free agent E, uh, I really didn't experiment much with the business model there. And, and it really cost the app a lot of market share. And, and ultimately, I think it cost it its success uh, that, you know, when I sold it, it wasn't out of business or anything, but it, I was selling it on on like the decline, not on the upswing. You know, I, I think yeah. people might assume I sold it for a lot more than I actually did, uh, because when you're selling things on a decline, it's you're not in a great position. Um, you know that that was largely, you know, business model wise, it was failing um, because everything else was free. And so with Overcast, I I have been kind of forced, you know, by by going into an already crowded market to begin with. And and by you know by the increasing competition that's always in this market, I have been forced to be much more aggressive with business model stuff. And also, I have you know it, this is a very turbulent industry. Like whatever is true for this year or two, it's probably going to be different next year or two. And you know everything is so turbulent and so hyper competitive in the app business that. If you if you aren't willing to experiment with things, you're not going to do very well. All right. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to be a free agent. I mean, did you when you were in college or young, were you always someone looking to get out on your own? Was that was this something you planned? Not at all. I, you know, I, I came from a family that was fairly traditional. You know, we, you know, y- you go to college if you can, <laughs> you, you go to college and then you get a good job and you work that good job until you retire and that's it. Like that was, that was the plan. And that was all I knew of the world. The idea of like starting a business sounded like this crazy thing that like, well, only, you know, business people do that. I'm, I'm not one of those people who starts businesses. Um, that, that whole thing was, was a foreign concept. And I, I was intimidated by the idea so much so that I, I never even really considered doing it. Um, so I, I followed the path I thought I was supposed to follow where I, went i went to college barely uh like i i barely graduated my grades were terrible because i'm 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 a terrible student um i i had i actually graduated late (laughs) i I failed a required class last semester and had to do do you know like the ceremonial walk at graduation without actually getting a diploma and then do it by mail a few months later i mean I, i was a mess of a student and uh then i went out and got the first job that would hire me 
and it was it was a good job in Pittsburgh with a software company there. Uh, worked there for a couple years, um, then moved to New York for uh, basically relationship reasons. That you know my my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, was only basically getting jobs in New York for her field. So we uh, came to New York together and and uh, started our life here. And, uh, you know, in order to move to New York, I had to get a job in New York, of course. The idea of coming to New York with no job was completely, you know, unconsiderable to me. I, that's yeah. a word now, I guess. Um, and so I went on went on Craigslist and found jobs and uh, took this job with this weird guy named David who was seemed suspiciously young, um, who wanted us to make PHP web apps for people. And so I went to go work for him, and a few months later, uh, the next app he wanted to make between consulting clients was this idea he had called Tumblr. And we started building that, and eventually that took off and replaced the consulting business completely. And then I was the programmer at Tumblr. Uh, and for a while, it was just just me and David. Uh, and then eventually, we hired some, some more people to help out, and it became so big so quickly that it kind of took over our lives very quickly. Um, and I found myself kind of thrown into this massive, like, high-volume, high-attention web scaling world trying to keep up with this crazy site called Tumblr that was growing like crazy. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, we were, David and I both were pretty much learning as we went. Um, it was It was a solid four and a half years or so of lots of stress but also lots of learning new things and forcing ourselves to be in this crazy situation and get through it and it was a crazy ride you know like the the way that you know i I never worked at apple um but i've heard stories of people who have worked there under some of the crazy steve jobs eras like the lead up to the original macintosh or the lead to the original iphone um or the ipod even and the stories that people tell often have a similar theme, which is like, man, that was like the the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I learned the most I've ever learned in my life, but I'll never do it again. <laughs> that's basically the theme <laughs> of those stories. And that's how I look back at, at my time at Tumblr. Um, it, it was a crazy ride and it was invaluable with you know professional development and, and intellectual development and everything else. But man, was it crazy. And I was, I was really starting after, you know, after four years there. I was really starting to burn out pretty badly. Uh, And the company at the time was in a terrible position to have their lead engineer be burning out. You know, they were still (laughs) needing to scale like crazy and they were about to have to take a a major step in scaling, which is basically switching from dedicated servers to co-location. Like they they were going to take this massive new step, re-architect a lot of the server stuff like that. That was necessary to keep up. Um, hire a bunch of additional programmers and sysadmins and database admins and everything. So like hire a big staff, change everything about the way things were hosted. Like that was that was the next logical step that, that they had to take. And I was not at all either qualified or up to that job. Um, at the same time, I have been building this thing on the side, this app called Instapaper. And I I couldn't do iOS development at Tumblr. Like we had an iOS app, but it was just this contractor thing because I didn't have time during the day to do the iOS app. I had to be running the servers because and, and programming backend stuff. You're keep trying to keep the trains running. <laughs> exactly. And and because you know David and I we didn't know what we were doing and so we should have hired more programmers earlier, uh, but because we we waited on that we thought oh we can handle it we don't have time to hire anybody right now we're too busy, <laughs> um, 
and because of that, we waited way too long. And so the, like we had like no time to, for me to be playing around with iOS apps, but I really wanted to. So I was doing on the side in the evenings and weekends, I was doing Instapaper and that was taking off. And it was actually financially doing so well that I could have quit my job at Tumblr to go to Instapaper probably six months before I actually did. And I kind of wanted to, but I didn't want to leave Tumblr stranded. And I was also really, really scared to go out on my own because I had never been self-employed before. I had always worked for someone else. And the idea of, well, you know, it's doing well this month, but what about next month? And what about after that? Like, and I was, I was trying to buy a house and trying to like, you know, start a family. I'm like, this is going to be, this is a terrible time for me to like lose certainty. I have this good job. Let me just keep plowing through at it. Even though I was burning out quickly, I no longer needed the money because this paper was doing well enough at that moment, at least. And it was about to take this massive turn into an area that I was not at all qualified to lead. Fortunately, David Karp is smarter than me. And he basically quit fired me. Uh, he, it's, I, I got quit fired. Uh, I, you know, he, he basically took me to, uh, to, you know, a bar on the corner from the office one evening. And he said, look, this is, you know, I, I see the problems here. Uh, we need someone else in your position to do what we have to do next. And I know you don't want to work for someone else. So, you know, basically I, th- I think it's time for you to go. And, and, you know, and those weren't his, his, his exact words, but in the yeah. friendliest way possible, he quit fired me. And, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I walked home. I, I like, so, so, you know, Tiff, my wife, came to meet me at the office because she worked nearby. And so we would walk back to the train together. And on the walk home, I'm like, I think I just got fired, but I think this is everything I want. Because what he was going to do, he, he, he was allowing me to leave guilt free on not not my own terms but well on my own terms basically but just i didn't choose the timing and he was forcing me to go do instapaper full-time which is what i had wanted to do anyway for months before that i just didn't think i could get out of tumblr and he then gave me an exit and i i I got all my stock i i i was on like the their insurance until i was ready to get off of it like everything was as smooth as possible and he basically like escorted me into the freelance life which i had been dying to do anyway and so it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me and i became independent it's interesting to think about his thought process there because obviously his thought process was he needed somebody uh, to like a cto or you know somebody that he felt like was not what you were going to want to do or be able to do and Mm -hmm. and the next step was logically then that you would report to that person and you're like oh that's not gonna work (laughs) you know he, yeah and he knew that and, too and, and he knew it right so he knew it's like what what did he know that you were doing instapaper on the side and and all that oh was yeah he, he, was, he was fully and he was very supportive right. of it because you know he he knew that you know i was the kind of person who liked doing side projects and, and he could tell that i was really enjoying getting more into the apple community as opposed to just like the web development community and and he was into that in the apple community also but not to the degree that I was and and he could tell that that was really where my passion was going uh but but that you know so so he I mean he he's pretty good at, at you know reading people in that way and and he knows what people want to work on and and so so you know he he could tell that not only did I have something on the side which he knew about you know full you know I, I didn't keep it from him so like not only did he know I had a safety net but he also knew that I would rather jump into the safety net than keep working for him 
And so he basically gave him the most graceful exit possible. Yeah, you were lucky there because we hear from a lot of free agents, and I think myself and maybe Jason to a certain degree included was uh, at the jobby job. We did not want everybody to know about all our side stuff, and it would not have been it would have been frowned upon, frankly, you know, if we had let people know what we were doing. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, honestly, like I, I don't know how I would have kept it from him. Like, so like yeah. I didn't, you know, even if even if I tried to keep it from him, that wouldn't have lasted very long because the app was actually doing pretty well at that point. But uh, you know, it's I was very lucky to have that kind of situation, and, and you know, where he was, he knew about it and he was okay with it and and actually supportive of it. Like he even sent me to WWDC a couple times on Tumblr's dime, even though he knew I was really there for Instapaper. Um, yeah. you know, he, he sent his web developer to, to the Apple developer conference and I, yeah. I never, I never even saw the source code to the iOS app. I never did any work on Tumblr's iOS app. Um, so it's like, I, you know, he, he was very supportive, uh, but you know, he, you know, he and I went back a few years at that point and, and, you know, he wanted to, to do right by me. And, and so it, it really worked out well. And had he, had I not, been forced to go indie at that time this was in late 2010 i'm not sure how long it would have taken me to try like i i, I probably would have like you know if i wanted to leave tumblr I probably would have just tried to get another job somewhere or something like the idea of going indie had just never occurred to me to really do like to really commit to and i was i was afraid because I had never done it, and the uncertainty really was very, very frightening. It, it can often take a push. That that's definitely what happened with me. Yeah. That I, uh, you know, I, I went through the sequence of layoffs and finally told people like, "Look, I can't, I can't do this anymore." But it was, it was very much like those external actions were the things that pushed me out um, because I could have gone years earlier and never did right because it's like well you know because you something you mentioned that I, I actually if i can get back into sort of your what you were thinking before you had that conversation with david you said uh instapaper is doing well enough that i could that i could go out on my own I, when i talk to people about this the challenge is you look at your income from your job and your side project and you're like well yeah i could live on the income from the side project but it's awfully nice to have two of them right did you did you how did you do that calculation of i could live on instapaper oh i mean it was you know first of all you know like it it was basically like a a, a dumb month-to-month comparison so it's like well this month and last month it did well enough that it surpassed my income from tumblr for those two months but like you know, the months before that, it didn't. Right. So it was it was a big question mark there, and and for the and my immediate plan at that time was, well, why throw away the second income? Like, yeah. if I I am doing both right now, if I can just keep doing both, why throw away all that income? Because you know, like I I don't come from money. I come from a very lower middle class, modest family background, and so the idea of just passing on good money yeah. mm-hmm. was crazy sounding like i would that like that does not exist in my mind at that time like i i would never have done that and so the idea was like well why should i quit this job that is totally fine uh that you know it's a good job like <laughs> why why leave it because when i don't have to yeah i do think that your background plays a big role in this i mean uh, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, in your family, you got a job and you worked the job. So you got the gold watch and that was that. And, and I'm sure that really sets your mind because, because I'm, I'm the same way. I, I talked about this in the past. I had depression era parents and they pushed me very hard to get a good job and to keep it. And uh, I didn't get pushed out. It took me 22 years to voluntarily jump 
22 years, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I do think, it, I mean, looking back at the, you know, your family situation, like were your parents, I guess it wasn't really encouraged for you to go out and just go out on your own, <laughs> uh, growing up. No, because you know, like, like even when I took the job at Tumblr, you know, with, with the, which at the time was taking a job with this crazy young guy named David in, in the city, my mother was trying very hard to convince me to take the offer I had from Bloomberg instead. I, yeah. I, I had two offers to come to New York. <laughs> the other one was at Bloomberg, um, and and the Bloomberg job would have really been a terrible fit for me. And I could tell that even from the interview. Um, but it was a big established company, and it was it, like it seemed way more stable. And yeah, my mother was very concerned. Like wait you're gonna go work for some guy instead of this nice big company with this offer they, they have a building like, why yeah exactly <laughs> they have a big building too benefits. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, my parents would have had the same conversation with me no. I, I totally understand and, and honestly and had had bloomberg not been such a an abrasively awful fit for me like i mean really we it was a terrible interview <laughs> I, I should never work there uh but you know it, had that interview gone even slightly better, I would have taken that job anyway. Because I, w- I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking, like, you know, moving to New York is incredibly intimidating because everything here is so expensive. Like, I if you know, just by making the move here, just by, like, getting a security deposit for an apartment and everything, like, I depleted my savings of having worked two years in Pittsburgh just to move here. So it was like, I'm going to start over. And if you go a month or two without a job in New York, that's a pretty big hit to your finances when you're like 25. Yeah. So that was it, it was a huge risk. And really, the only reason that I that I took the job with David at all was that I was so turned off by by how badly I would have fit in and been accepted at Bloomberg because it was just such a bad match for my skills and, and my uh, my preferences. But but you know it was it was scary to jump into this crazy you know young guy's office where i, I even with, it, with the interview with david like it, he was he, he was in a shared office and it was shared with um a cartoon producer uh and and so the the whole thing was like decorated with like bright colors and like preschool children's characters on the walls and everything and i'm like what is this place are you the boss like what what is going on here like it was very very strange um uh, but it, uh, yeah it, it worked out pretty well in the end this episode of Free Agents is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code FREEAGENTS at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace, which lets you create a website for your next idea. You can get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So if you want to make something that exists on the web, you can go from nothing to a full site, including an online store, a portfolio, a blog, anything like that. You don't need to be a professional web builder. You don't need to set up a server. You don't need to register the domain yourself. Squarespace will take care of everything nothing to install no patches no upgrades you don't have to worry about any of it squarespace will take care of it and they have award-winning 24 7 customer support if you need any help so quickly and easily grab a domain name and use those award-winning templates beautifully designed work great on desktop and mobile to show off your great ideas plans start at just 12 dollars a month run your web business for 12 dollars a month and the best thing try it out with no risk and no credit card down just just go to squarespace.com. When you do decide to sign up, use the offer code FREEAGENTS and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for this podcast. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting free agents. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So despite 
having your parents or despite the inclination to want to keep a job, at what point did the seed get planted to say, you know, I could go on my own? It was really only when Instapaper started making real money. That was like even even when I was doing Instapaper and it was getting a lot of users, the idea of taking it full time seemed crazy and totally, you know, not even under consideration because, you know, I, I had tried side projects on the web before and they, you know, they, they never amounted to much. Um, you know, and I even, I had like ads on my blog and stuff, but those didn't amount to much either. And so it, it was always like at best some decent side money every month coming in. Um, but it wasn't until newspaper started making like a full-time salary worth of income every, every month. And it's a pretty good one too. That's when I started realizing, oh my God, this is real. But that was also, you know, this was late 2010 where, where, I, where I went to India here. In early 2010 was when the iPad launched, the very first iPad. And newspaper sales went through the roof during that time. But I also realized, like, this could just be temporary. Because what if the iPad is a flop? You know, what if it's a fad? Or what if, like, I just saturate the market really fast and everyone who wants Instapaper on the iPad is buying it now and that's why my sales are so good right now, but then are they still going to be good in a year or in two years? Like, will I just saturate the market and then this income maybe won't be enough to go full, to have gone full-time anymore? Um, so, you know, I had all these questions about about the reliability of that income, um, which I think were warranted. Like, <laughs> looking back on it, it was a crazy roller coaster and it wasn't that reliable, uh, but... Ultimately, I didn't even consider making the move until it was making so much money that there was actually some buffer there that like, even if it made, you know, 30% less next month or 50% le- less next month, I wouldn't be underwater. So take us through what happened when when you went out on your own with Instapaper. Like, obviously, you're in the app store, you're relying on this is the days of no, uh, no in-app purchases, right? No subscriptions are happening. You're, yeah. you're really relying on new people finding Instapaper and buying the app. Yeah, I mean, that was the business model for the entire time I owned it, really. I did eventually add a $1 a month voluntary subscription um, to just to get basically nothing uh i think i think i i think i gave you search archives or something like that because search was expensive and i couldn't index everyone's articles um but that was a feature almost nobody used um it, you're, you were mainly paying because you liked me basically like that was that was the reality of that um but like that was like for the most part it was entirely dependent on just well, when you want the app, you pay, you know, first for the first year it was 10 bucks. And then after that, it was five bucks. You pay five bucks for the app. Eventually, I think I lowered it to four. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, first, you know, upfront payment. And that was it. And that had a lot of benefits and a lot of downsides. And I would um, imagine your your revenue was choppy. I mean, you sort of mentioned it. Like, did you so did you go on your own and then the and then the money was was solid for a while and you felt good? Or did you go out and then start to see variants and immediately start being uh you know, concerned about your, your, uh, how the money you're making was not, uh, stable. It did really well for a few years. Like it, it had a really nice run. Um, and it, it wasn't immediately obvious that it was going to crash. Uh, but certainly like, you know, like I, 2010 was like the iPad year. I think 2011 was the, the, was its best year total during the time i had it and maybe during all time it just slowly started declining after that and that was that was probably from a number of factors um one of one of the big ones obviously was that i had pretty major competitors all of which were free and then apple made reading list and that was built into the os for free and so like it was it, it it's a very hard sell in the app store 
if your app is four or five bucks up front uh and then there's another app next to it that's free that purports to do the same thing uh you're gonna have a really hard time selling that app it's not impossible you'll sell some uh but like the 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 ratio is awful for like how many people will just go to the free one instead um so that's and then eventually you know with paid up front you saturate a certain you know certain parts of the market and then you don't make money from those people anymore and so you might have someone who really loves the app and uses it every day who paid you five dollars four years ago um but you're not making anything else from them anymore and that's kind of a problem um you know it it, it's okay when the market is continuing to grow as the iphone you know did for a long 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 time and the ipad did for a little bit shorter of a time but had still you know still had a few good years of growth there Uh, but then once the growth like once fewer people are getting their first iphones and their first ipads that pay up front model starts to slow down pretty dramatically. And and so presumably your revenue starts to go down and you start to think to yourself, what am I at some point are you are you motivated by um looking at 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 or looking at revenue going down or thinking that the revenue is inevitably going to go down and thinking what am I going to do next? Is that a motivator when you're making decisions about what projects you're going to work on or are you do you have a like a list of projects that you'd like to work on and uh and they just sort of present themselves. How do you decide I'm going to do a podcast app and I'm going to stop focusing on Instapaper? Well, for me, it's all about like looking at the direction things are going. And, and, I, and I have not always been good at this and I'm still not very good at it, but I, I'm, I've been slowly improving my, my ability to see this and, and react to it over time. Um, but, you know, with Instapaper, I started seeing it go down and I tried some things to boost it back up. And they just weren't working. It was just it just kept going down. And the in absolute values, it was still making decent money every month. But once you see a downward trend that doesn't seem to be reversing itself, you should be concerned, even if the absolute numbers are still very good, um, because you know it, those kind of like long term trends. It takes a while usually to turn them, and you might never be able to turn them. So like, if you're seeing a consistent downward trend. Uh, for me at least, that that's time to start looking at you know something that can replace this, um, or you know, or looking for a way out basically. Um, and so, for Instapaper, I didn't really have anything I was dying to do immediately. I I briefly did the magazine, uh, which was not successful. <laughs> it was it was a fun project. I'm I'm glad I tried it. I learned a lot doing it, uh, but it was you know financially in the app store it was it was pretty much a complete bomb um and you know again don't assume i made a lot on that sale either because (laughs) it's when you're selling an app that's that you consider fairly worthless it turns out you know it's hard to sell it for much of anything uh, because everyone else is looking at the same numbers and trends and stuff that you are when you decide to sell it because it's it's plummeting to the ground um so that was fine and i i sold it to glenn and he he you know glenn fleischman was the editor at the time that i had hired um and he he did his best to try to save it and and even he couldn't keep it alive and he had way more experience than i did with magazine stuff so if anyone could have done it it was him and even he couldn't do it so i don't i don't blame him at all but anyway so you know i had i had done this kind of audio demo thing because i've always loved dealing with audio uh, always and, and i i had done this little audio processing demo app like just like over over a couple of nights you know a few months before i I sold instapaper and 
so the magazine was kind of crashing. Instapaper was being sold. And I realized, you know, let me go back to that audio demo I did because I had prototyped what was smart speed and voice boost, basically. Um, and I, I I'd had this idea for a while of, you know, real-time audio processing on, you know, for a podcast player. And I just assumed that the iPhone hardware just couldn't handle it yet, or it would it would either be too slow, or you could do it, but it would burn the battery too much. And so I just assumed, like, this really can't be a thing yet. Uh, fortunately, I was wrong. Um, you know, when I, when, I made, when I made this prototype, I realized that it was actually totally doable and and without even like too much craziness like without even too much effort of trying to optimize it it was totally fine and i could indeed run these effects in real time on at the time i think even an iphone 4 or 4s and it was it took like no time at all to do and so i i had the idea like you know i would like to build a podcast app uh but i don't really like i i wasn't sure if i had the skill or the the time to build an entire podcast app because they they take a lot of work uh there's a, like podcasts have, have a lot of different screens a lot of different edge cases a lot like a lot it's they're surprisingly complex apps and there's usually a back end to them as well so there's other pieces yeah and well, and the back end i wasn't so you know like running servers and stuff like i because yeah. i had the experience at tumblr I was pretty good at that and and I knew that I knew what it would take not necessarily that that it would that it would be like you know totally free you know time or money wise but I at least had a really good idea of what it would take and running a podcast app servers is way lower needs than running something like tumblr and so to me that like the idea of running servers for that was kind of like a vacation compared to where i had come from with tumblr and even with instapaper too like instapaper was getting pretty complex and pretty expensive by that point um and and i and i I, again i knew like podcast apps needs would be much lower than even instapaper uh, let alone tumblr so but the main reason i didn't want to do it is you know a Instapaper was still fine. I hadn't yet realized I should probably sell it. <laughs> so it was still fine. Um, and then B, I didn't have time because I was running Instapaper in the magazine. And then C, I, I had assumed that the market for a podcast app, because, you know, in 2010, podcasts were very much a thing. Uh, but, or I, I, well, this is, sorry, this is past 2010. Or this is probably 2013 or, or so. Podcasts were very much a thing and they were growing, but it was still a pretty specialized market it was still very far under the radar uh you know it was it was really it was it was a niche or a niche i don't know how to pronounce that anyway so uh then tumblr sold to yahoo and so i got some money out of that and i, and I realized i now had a cushion and at around the same time the magazine had already failed or was failing and instapaper was becoming unwieldy to manage and also everything was going down so i sold both of those things and i had nothing to work on and that's when i decided let me make the podcast app because now i have the time i have nothing else to do and i want to do something uh and since tumblr had sold i i had a cushion of basically safety money so that if i invested like a year into building a podcast app and then it turned out that it was terrible and that there was no market for it, I wouldn't be financially destroyed. I wouldn't have like my savings wiped out or anything else. Um, you know, I still had to do something, but I had, you know, I had, I had some buffer. Um, and so that's what, when I decided, you know what, let me just make what I want to make right now and see if it works. And that was overcast. So a little bit of a combination of seeing where things are going and having an idea and, and, uh, 
and circumstance sort of led you to go from doing Instapaper to doing Overcast. Yeah. This episode of Free Agents is brought to you by FreshBooks. Go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents in the how did you hear about us section to get a 30 day free trial. As Jason and I have spoken about on the show, you need to get paid if you're going to be a free agent. If not, you've just got a hobby. The good news is that's a lot easier now than it used to be, and you can do that with FreshBooks. FreshBooks offers cloud accounting software custom-made for freelancers and free agents. It's ridiculously easy to use and super powerful. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Using FreshBooks, you can easily track your time or project expenses, and when it comes time to send an invoice, it couldn't be easier. Not only does FreshBooks generate a beautiful-looking invoice, when you email it to a client, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it. This puts an end to that guessing game as to whether they've actually seen the invoice or not. You can see what day they opened it and looked at it, so you can know when to follow up with them if you don't get paid. And speaking of late payment reminders, FreshBooks can automate that as well. That way you spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. The bottom line is FreshBooks really gets small business. They have 10 million users. They know how to help you manage the finances of your business, get invoices out, and most importantly, get paid. Despite their size, they've managed to remain a pretty small company, landing them the title of Small Giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year. Now, if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, it's time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents with a space in the how did you hear about us section. If you're going to pull off this free agency thing, you've got to have getting paid down, and FreshBooks is there to help you. We thank FreshBooks for all of their support of free agents. I I think we should talk a little bit about what life is like for you in terms of getting getting your job done. What works for you in working on your own and what um, maybe you struggle with? You know, do you have a... What's, a, what's an average work day for you like? Do you have a set schedule? Do you have things you do at certain times? You know, you, you, I go into the, the, the office at this time and I work for this time. How, does, how, does you, how do you stru- structure this life of you on your own developing Overcast? So when I worked at a regular job for other people, I always had this problem where my productivity would come in these crazy bursts about maybe once or twice a week. And so I'd have like, you know, one or two, you know, multi-hour bursts of productivity a week. And the whole rest of the time I would basically be, you know, wasting time, like you know, browsing the internet or doing kind of mindless tasks that didn't really need to be done or that I, you know, or that maybe I could have done differently or could have automated or something like that. And that is still exactly how I work today. Like I still don't have a consistent productivity window where it's like, I, I don't just arrive in the office at nine in the morning and have, you know, four hours of productivity and then take and then eat lunch and then have three more and then turn my brain off for the rest of the day. Like that, that is never how I have worked and it's not how I work now. In many ways, I envy people who can do that. I wish I could do that, uh, but, but I, that's just not how I work. Um, so the way I work is basically really inconsistent and erratic and impossible to schedule or manage. <laughs> so I might go two weeks without touching code. 
Um, or I might have like three days of just massive productivity where I am just plowing through things and making a really, really great update or solving some really hard problem. Um, and it's just, it's totally all over the map. And this applies to both like the macro level of like how many days a week am I productive as well as just like the periods during the day, like, you know, the hours in the day in which I'm productive vary all over the map. Like sometimes it's the morning, sometimes it's the evenings. It's like, it's all over the place. Do you have any way of knowing when you're going to get into one of those zones? I mean, can you like force it or does it just kind of happen? I, I wish I knew, <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> uh, I, I, I can be fairly sure when I'm not going to be in one of those zones. So like, you know, if, if, you know, we're cleaning up after dinner and my wife and I are trying to figure, you know, clean up after dinner, put put our child to bed and then we're trying to decide like, you know, do we watch TV together or am I going to go in the office and work? I can always tell at that point, like, can my brain handle work right now or not? Like, am I in a working state of mind or not? Um, and it's very clear to me whether I'm not. And so then, then I can just like, all right, we're just going to watch TV tonight um, and I'll, I'll work tomorrow. But other than that, I really, it's, I wish I had more control over it. This is, I mean, you know, you, you said like what works and what doesn't. We're, we're bleeding this into each other because ultimately what I find the most challenging about working for myself is trying to have any kind of regularity in my schedule and just the, you know, the general topic of time management. I'm terrible at it. I always have been from the moment I, I went indie uh, to the present day. I'm terrible at time management, scheduling, consistency of the time. Uh, I do get the work done. Like I, I do what I need to do, but it's a pretty wild question about when that's going to happen. But you're not, it doesn't sound like, are you like a deadline guy? You know, some people flourish once, you know, they're 48 hours from deadline that that's not really even a consideration, is it? Well, I do have deadlines that are, that are, you know, externally imposed usually. So for instance, like whenever Apple releases new hardware, like I have to make sure my app works on that hardware, you know, on day one, if possible. Uh, so like stuff like, or like, you know, new versions of iOS come out or like Apple releases a beta that breaks everything of mine like stuff like that. I, I have to deal with that. So usually it's like the Apple product cycle externally imposes deadlines upon me, which I do respond generally pretty well to. Um, but other than that, there aren't really any. The other thing is for the other half of what I do really, which is podcasting, uh, that works totally differently. Like that, like everything I've said so far has been about programming. Uh, podcasting, I do it with other people on a schedule and the deadline is this has to be out this week or this month. Um, so podcasting, I do totally differently um, because it's a totally different kind of work and, and because I'm kind of forced to. Uh, but programming is all over the map for me. That's I, I it's funny. I, I feel some similarities there where, yeah, for, for a lot of the same reasons, podcasting tends to be much more regimented because you are dealing with other people and it, it, it cannot be asynchronous. It is asynchronous. You're talking to other human beings at a set time. And then everybody wants, you know, your podcast comes out the next day or two days later or whenever. And so you got to do that. And then for me, like my writing, it's similar. It's like I've, I've got some deadlines and all, but whether I write that story on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning or whatever, it's sort of like I can write at any time. And so it's a little bit, so I've got some squishy stuff and then some rigid, um, more rigid structure which is not bad. I, 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 you know, it's, 
I mean, it, it's got to be nice in a way to know that every Wednesday night you're going to record ATP and you know that that's on your schedule and that, and then you're going to presumably edit it Thursday, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, so like the, the podcast schedule, it really imposes a lot of welcome structure to to my week because normally there wouldn't be much. Also, what helps a lot is once our kid got old enough, now he's in school. And so now we are all you know subject to the school schedule basically so right you know if i want to get a lot of work done during the day it's best to do it during the school day um and so that and and when when certain weekdays have no school for some reason whether it's holidays or other you know school events um then i i feel that i and i have to plan for that like all right well is is today going to be a family day are we going to be traveling because it's like a three-day weekend or whatever else like that all that all plays into my schedule you know externally um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm still kind of all over the place. Well, one of the advantages, I think, of your independence is that you, you basically work for yourself. I mean, you in the true word sense of the word, like you don't have 15 clients that you have to juggle their priorities. It's, it's your app that you're working on. It's your podcast. And I think that structure, if you can do it, really makes the, you know, the burst work that you're describing, uh, it makes it a, a viable option. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it, and part of that is just like the nature of what I do, like the nature of apps. Like, you know, if, if again, if you're a podcaster or if you're a writer for, for magazines with deadlines or, you know, like, like there, there are lots of, you know, lots of other businesses where I don't where I wouldn't have this kind of freedom. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is pretty nice to have this, you know, to have my own product in that way. You know, the other, the downside of that though, is like, because nothing is forcing me to release on a certain schedule or to, or to build fusion on a certain schedule, it's very easy to either slack off for a while and to, to then not update the app frequently enough or hard enough or whatever, um, or to invest time in things that delay it that I probably shouldn't spend that time in. Um, so like, like to invest in like basically a big time sink feature or, or a big time sink effort, you know, whether it's modernizing this part of the code or, you know, doing this, this big complicated feature that maybe isn't worth this amount of time, that stuff becomes a much more common pitfall. So, Let's look at the, uh, the, this is sort of my last question, which is looking at the future a little bit. Can you conceive of doing anything else or is, or are you ruined for other things now in terms of your, your work? I mean, I understand that the world is going to change and who knows what we'll have in podcasts wasn't a thing. Now it is a thing. Maybe it won't be a thing again in the future. Who knows? But in terms of just your work style, if you can manage it, um, is, is, you know, is this it for, for the foreseeable future for you? Is this the, the, how you want it to be? Oh, definitely. I have no plans to change that. I mean, I might change the things I work on, although I honestly have no immediate plans to change that either. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I might change the, the types of, of work that I do or the specific projects I do, but I intend to work for myself for the foreseeable future or, or basically as long as, as long as it's possible or as long as I, as long as that's what I keep wanting. You know, whenever I've thought about any other option, I mean, you know, I've had I've had a couple people here and there, like you know, want me to come work for them, or I've thought about going to work for someone else. But when I think about the reality of it, of being told what to work on, being told what to do, um, having to even just go to an office every day, having to you know commute into the city probably, uh, or 
you know, just having to deal with that, all the additional overhead and inflexibility that that would bring to my life. Meanwhile, I can like right now I'm here and like when my son comes off the bus at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm here and he can walk around to my office and show me the cool thing he made in kindergarten today. And I'm here for that. And if we need to like, you know, go do to go run an errand in the middle of the day, I can do that too. Um, I just started getting allergy shots again. It's like this long-term thing has been on my list forever uh, to finally try to fix my my horrible seasonal allergies. So two days a week, I'm now going to go to a doctor's office and have to sit there for an hour in the middle of the workday. Like I, I have the freedom to do that now because I don't have to clear it with my boss that, oh, by the way, can I have like two afternoons off every week for the foreseeable future? Like that's, you know, good luck with that, yes. right? Um, all these things that when I was employed, were a huge pain to try to like work around or to try to get permission to, to go run these errands. Um, and I, I, I never had a full-time job at the same time that I had a kid, but I really feel for people who do that because trying to share family time with children, especially with a full-time job, like you just get so much less time with them than if you're home even if you you know close the door to the office all day and don't let anybody in or are on a different floor of the house or whatever else like that you still then don't have a commute or things like that like it's and you can still like take a day off if you need to um there are downsides to that you know like when i take a day off no one's covering for me just work isn't getting done like it's not like nothing keeps going without me like it just doesn't happen until i get back so no progress is made. I can't really leave for too long or stop working for too long. Uh, but I'll take this trade off. Like as long as I can do this, as long as this is still a viable business for me to do, I plan to keep doing this. And anything that would involve changing my lifestyle, whether it's going to work for someone else or even like you know taking on investment and making this a big company and hiring people which could then make me still have to go into an office every day still have bosses you know the board the investors um you know i don't want that like i don't want that at all i really just like the way things are and i intend to keep doing this as long as i can well sounds like you're pulling it off thanks yeah so far well, Marco, thank you so much for spending time on Free Agents with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And to everyone out there, of course, we are looking for your feedback. Our next show will be one of our new regular shows where we talk and we also answer your questions and read your comments. You can do that by uh, emailing us. Hit up the Contact Us link at relay.fm slash freeagents or take advantage of those new longer tweets to send us your comments at freeagentsfm on Twitter. And of course, we'll be back in a fortnight to talk about whatever issues David and I are grappling with. But until then, David, it's been a pleasure. As always, Mr. Snell. Bye, everybody. Bye. 